Hey guys, what's going on? David Radney here, another episode of Scotch and Scripts. Today, I'm bringing you a live one. I got Miss Laquana McNeil coming at you. I met her years ago at a Mike Ferry event, and I've been watching her grow her real estate business from being a New York agent to getting her license in New Jersey, to starting a real estate charm school, to having a goal this year of helping 100 families buy or sell a home. And so you guys are going to enjoy this interview with Laquana. I'm looking forward to getting into it. So why don't we go ahead and start the show? Thanks for joining. Laquana, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have to say, cheers to you. Cheers to you. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. <laughs> yeah, we have to sip after we toast. That is the rule. <laughs> and look each other in the eyes. Look each other in the eyes, right? Yeah. So I wanted to say that, you know, since we met years ago at that Mike Ferry event, you know, I've talked with you, I've watched you, I've seen you grow, I've seen you just grow into this great real estate agent. It's been a great journey for you, and I've been happy to be part of it. And I, I want to know, how long have you been doing real estate? I can't quite remember when you first started. So I was licensed in my senior year in college. So I got licensed in 2009. I was 19 okay. years old. I was home for the winter break. Yes. And I was still looking for a full-time position after college. Okay. So my stepdad's in the room. He's typing on his computer and randomly says to me, you should look into being a real estate agent. I said, I should. Why? <laughs> he said, you know, you're great with people. You're personable. My friend is in it, the industry, and I think you should give it a shot. I was 19 years old, barely had any income, right? You remember $100 when you were 19 in college went a long way. Amen. Um, and I said, well, if you help me with the classes, then yeah, I'll get, I'll get my license. Okay. So he did. And, and that's kind of what's my intro into it. But it's more than that, right? You have mm -hmm. to take those classes and see if you actually like it. So I remember my first year in the industry, a lot of running around, trying okay. to figure out, you know, not having any clients. How do I get clients? What do I do? I started out at a boutique firm in the financial district. Gotcha. And they did have some leads that they helped us with. So I would get leads from them. Um, I started out in a rental market in New York City. And from the rental market, I said, you know, I got this down pack. Let me try my way into sales. Now, back then, you could actually do Craigslist ads, like legit Craigslist ads, and people would trust you. Absolutely. Not now. I remember. Yep. <laughs> so back then, I did a Craigslist ad about downtown Brooklyn condos and why you want to live down here and the luxuries of it. And I had the CFO of a credit union write me and say, I loved what you're saying here. Your photo looks like you're about your business. Please help me find a home. And from there, my first deal was about 888000 around that. It was a wow. three-bedroom, which now sells for double, downtown gotcha. Brooklyn, New gotcha. York. Um, and from there, I just said, okay, I'm going to get better and better at this so I can help more people. And right. it took off. So I would say all in all, what, 11 years? Yeah. 11 years. 11 years. And you know, your, your stepfather was right. You're a people person. And so, so many people think real estate is about selling homes. It's actually about 
engaging people and lead generating and talking to people and letting them know who you are and what you do. And you have to be a people person in order to really survive in this business. So he, he was absolutely right. And look at you now. Thank you. Yes, yeah. he was. <laughs> so now, you know, you started off in New York and now this past year, you actually got your license, which allowed you to move into New Jersey. How's that journey been? Woo. Interesting. <laughs> so, okay. All right. So I was in Miami last year and I said, I need to push myself. I'm big on challenges. Mm -hmm. I'm going to set out a goal to help 100 homeowners in 2020. Wow. Right? No matter right. what. I even have a sign. 100 okay. homeowners. Okay? Love it. Love it. So in order for me to do that, I have to expand. Mm-hmm. The average price point in New York City for a home, single family, is around 600000 if you're lucky. Wow. And the more luxurious markets, I'm selling studios for 600000 So I said, okay, if I'm going to really hit this goal. I have to expand. I have to really say, where else can I sell where my clients are looking? And that was New Jersey. Right. So who do I call? I called you. <laughs> <laughs> David, I'm thinking about coming back because I was I was a referral agent first in New Jersey. Okay. And I just left that referral and I switched it to full time. I said I'm thinking about coming back in New Jersey. I have my own shop in New York. I'm a broker in New York, but in New Jersey, I'm definitely going to need some hand holding in the beginning to just learn about the market so I can help 100 at least 100 homeowners. And it's been it's been a journey because. Before I even started taking buyers around, I had to learn about different markets. I had to spend weekends driving around, going to open houses when there were open houses right. and seeing, you know, the product out there. And now you can get a three family for 600,000 in some parts of New Jersey. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So 100 families, how'd you come up with that number? Why 100 and not 50? <sighs> Shooting for the moon. Shooting for the moon. Right. Start, right. <laughs> right. You know, I said, if I'm going to do it, I need to have a goal that's going to scare me. Mm -hmm. That is so mm -hmm. out of this world. It's possible, though. I know it's possible. I have to figure out how to get to it. But I haven't surpassed 50 in one year. So okay. it's like, okay, I, I've hit that goal. Now, how do I get to 100? That's, that's going right. to take me being somebody else that I have not been. So that I had to step up to the plate. Yes, I understand. So I said, you know, if I'm going to push myself, let's make it 100. So how's it feel when you make up your mind to push yourself and shoot for the moon? You're ready, you're motivated, and then comes March, and then comes COVID, and then comes quarantine. How's that impacted your ability to hit that goal for, for 2020? You know what? It's You have to have such a strong mindset. Mm -hmm. You have to have accountability. For me, it was hard in the beginning. Um, March came, April came, and I'm like, I'm only 16 people in. And if I already thought 100 was a lot, now I'm thinking it's impossible. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> it was tough. It was kind of, I thought that, you know what, I'm just going to have to make this goal next year. I started talking myself out of it. <laughs> um, but then I said, I said, you know what, you can get 100 homeowners in two months. You sure can. It's all over. Mm -hmm. You can't think just because the pandemic happens that this is over. Now your way of selling has to be different. So instead of you taking a client out everywhere, 
or you prospecting via phone because in certain counties we couldn't prospect via phone. True. We couldn't even take our client inside the home to view it. Mm -hmm. So I had to adapt. Okay, now we're going to do virtual tours. I'm going to FaceTime you. You're going to have to trust me as your agent to know that you told me exactly what you wanted and I'm going to show you this home via FaceTime and then we'll make a decision from there. But it was difficult in the beginning, to be honest. Um, it was kind of like I was down about it. It took me a while to get back in the groove of even wanting to take buyers out again, wanting to help my sellers again. Yeah, it's understandable. How do you stay motivated? Like, what do you do to motivate yourself? Right. So to stay motivated, I read a lot of motivational self-help books, first of all. Okay. And sometimes it's the same thing told in like five different ways, right? But I have to keep myself in that thought process to okay. stay motivated. I am waking up a little earlier and I'm spending time with myself. I'm writing down my goals and make sure like my daily goals, did I hit this? Am I a better person than I was yesterday? And my right. task to help my 100 homeowners, you know, how am I doing with my balance, my family life and my love life and my personal life, my time for myself. So all of that kind of encompasses what I'm trying to do, but to really stay on task and to stay motivated, I'm listening to Audible, I'm listening to podcasts like Impact Theory, The Ed Milet Show. I'm mm -hmm. reading books and I'm talking to people who fuel my energy and what we're trying to do together. That's right. That's right. So I talked to an agent two nights ago and she told me about a book she was reading and she actually sent me a copy of the book, Your Tribe. It's about your tribe. Who's your tribe? Who are the agents or people that motivate you and keep hold you accountable and push you to be your better self? Who's in your tribe? David, you are one person in my tribe. I'm not just saying that. <laughs> people that are in my tribe are people that don't take BS from me. When they know that I can be doing way more, that's you, mm -hmm. and I'm just trying to have a cop out or I'm not, you know, performing at my highest self, my highest ability. Those people are in my tribe. Then I have other people who are spiritually connected and my tribe so that I could have a balance. It's not just work, 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 right? So who could pray with me? Who could pray for me? Those people are part of my tribe. Um, and then I have my mentors, women that I wanna be like, men that have you know reached certain caliber of sales or of money and things that I wanna do in life. Those people work. are my tribe. So in, in my tribe, I have pockets mm -hmm. <laughs> of different people that help me. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot with this question. I, I didn't tell you to think about this, yeah. but those women that you look up to and inspire to be, if you could choose one of those women to actually sit down and have a conversation with, dead or alive, who would that person be for you? Honestly, it would, it would be Beyonce right now because I would love to meet her. Mm -hmm. I respect her as a businesswoman. Um, seeing her growth from starting in a group to becoming her own, yes. you know, independent artist to starting her company. I would love to pick her, her brain to marrying into this beautiful family and starting this life and having what it seems like balance. Yes. Um, so I would like to speak to her and ask her a few questions. 
I think that's a great pick. I have to tell you, I was so impressed with her because I, I read that she sold her documentary Homecoming to Netflix for all this money. Mm -hmm. And then I started reading into it and they were talking about it during the documentary that we see the show and we're like, oh, Beyonce is the greatest. Look, look at how good she is. And then they really showed us eight months earlier how they were practicing every day. Like she had this goal and she grinded and put the work in and we just see the show. We don't see all the behind the scenes work. It, it's amazing how hard amazing. that woman is willing to work with the family, with the husband, with kids and put that work in for what's important to her. So I can see why she inspires you. I love her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, I'm always curious to know what agent schedules look like. You know, you, you mentioned you wake up in the morning, you spend time for yourself. However, how do you time block and what activities do you time block in your day that are real estate related that are helping you towards hitting your goal? So that has changed. I'll do pre-COVID and, and post. Pre-COVID, I mean, I want to be up when it's still a little dark outside before mm -hmm. the world wakes up. I'm living in New York, but selling in New York and New Jersey. So it's pretty loud where I am. Gotcha. So I would wake up around 530. I want to get time in. I want to make my tea. I want to read a little bit, at okay. least 10 pages. I want to journal. And then I'm getting ready. I'm getting dressed for the day. I'm practicing scripts. I'm thinking about the day before and writing, looking at my notes to see, okay, what could I have done different with this person or this person that I'm about to call again by time it's prospecting time at right. 8.30 to take a different approach. Mm -hmm. So from about 8.30 to 10.30 with one break in between, I'm making calls or I'm either talking to my sphere more, which is that I'm more comfortable with than just straight up expires and fizzles, right? Um, and to be, to be honest, what I feel like, I was in a condo luxury market. So a lot of it was, you know, referrals. You can't door knock here as much. Mailing, okay. referrals, going to events, and just being in the community. So it was like a different way of prospecting for me. Mm -hmm. So after that, you know, have my lunch, go on my listing appointments, try to wrap up the day to about 8.30 p.m. Okay. So it's a long day. It's, it's a, a full day. day. Yes. However, you have big goals, so it should yeah. be a full day, right? 12 hours minimum right now. Okay. okay. Now, post-COVID and being careful with calling people and to check on them even, I've been leaning on my sphere. Mm -hmm. I am so busy. I am not kidding you. I'm more busy now than I was in February, which is shocking to me. So and, shocking. What and what I'm finding is buyers who are first-time home buyers who have been trying to buy a place but are getting beat out by investors, mm -hmm. by cash buyers, by people who have 30, 40% down. My buyers that still have a job, still have the money, who want to jump right in are coming to me. Let's go. I'm ready. What, what do we need to do? I have my friend here and my other girlfriend there and then my cousin over there. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that is awesome, though. I'm, thinking, so I'm very shocked. And I told you, when I thought about 100 homeowners and how am I going to get 100 people, I've been blessed. I've been blessed that it's, it's coming, yeah. coming my way, along with the activities that I'm doing. Well, of course, I call that the, uh, the COVID gift, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm... I know people have lost their life. I'm not making light of the situation. However, we have to reflect on what has this time given us. And it's given you an opportunity to 
get a hold of your sphere and your buyers who have been looking for property in the past and were being outbid. Now they have opportunities to go out there and actually purchase a home and you're showing up for them in a major way, which means you can hit your goal of getting a hundred homes, right? You can do that. You just have to have everything under contract by Halloween. It can be done. It can be done. And unlike most agents, I have to pay you a compliment here. You're working from early morning until 830. And a lot of agents do this part time. And by noon, they're done. You cannot have the business you want if you're working a part part time schedule. It's a full time gig, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What's your um what's your biggest opportunity with your business moving forward? Moving forward is to hire mm. some great, great agents, transaction coordinator. Yes. I have an assistant now, but even to get a second assistant. Okay. And when you think about my online platform in my school, the real estate charm school, mm -hmm. I developed that because there's a need in the market for newbie first few months out of getting your license agents. Yes. 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 You have your office. Yes. You have your broker that you can possibly call and mm -hmm. ask a question, but we're not always comfortable. Is that question going to sound too stupid? I'm embarrassed. Yeah. So I wanted to build a platform for people to say, I can ask her or the instructors working with me anything and not feel a way about it. Awesome. How do I close this deal? What script do I use? How do I do X, Y, and Z? It's all there. So my biggest opportunity right now is to grow my business while still being a leader in the industry yes. and helping newbie agents come on board and learn the game. So you're working full time. You're helping a hundred people buy a house. You have a real estate charm school. You're starting a pot. Now let me stop. Uh, you have a real estate <laughs> a school. Well, I think that is amazing. How long have you had the school? So I started the school in December, 2018. Okay. The thought yeah. came to me. I said, God, if you give me the idea, I'll work mm -hmm. on the rest. And it just real estate charm school. I love it. So December 2018, I started writing my ebook, a very short guide for someone who's just breaking into the industry. It's about mm -hmm. 35 pages. I started marketing that, getting a feel for people needed more information, what their thoughts were on this. And then I built out a course. Gotcha. So the course, I have about 24 students right now who have awesome. taken the course and who have been through the course. And with everything that's happening, it's allowed me, here goes another opportunity, Right. to extend and build out that course even more based on the feedback that I've got. That's so anyone great. who's interested, they can join the list, recharmschool.com, if they want to sign up and just get more information. Because once That's we awesome. revamp, it's on. I'm going to make sure in the video that I put a, a link there so people can see the actual site and Thank also you. your social media handles as well. I want people to go and follow you. You do some really great videos and pictures and you're really out there creating your brand because as a real estate agent, like we're, we're realtors, we also are media companies and our job is to let people know who we are and what we do. We cannot be secret agents. And I think you do a really good job of letting people know that you're out there every day working and helping people buy and sell homes. I think that's amazing. Thank you. So let me ask you, what question should I be asking you that I haven't asked you so far? Anything come to mind? I think something that 
I would like your take on too mm -hmm. is real estate agents have been having this bad rep, right? Amongst our consumer. But now I'm starting to see the bad rep amongst each other when it comes to co-broking deals, mm -hmm. when it comes to just helping each other mm -hmm. on simple things. Right. I was trying to show a client a listing and this is before the rules came out and I wasn't, you know, following it. Mind you, I'm, I'm working, I'm up and I'm trying to get to it, right? 100 homeowners. So I asked this agent, can I see this listing? And she said, well, clearly you're having a problem following the rules and you need to jump on this Zoom call to see what's happening. I said, I, and I wrote it back. I took a little time, you know, and then I wrote it back and I said, why can't we just help each other more? Why couldn't you just write me and say, we can't show right now, you know, hop on this Zoom call, here's the link. Once we can show, I would love for you to see this home with your buyer because my seller is ready to go. Yep. But you know, she could have had a bad day, so I'll leave it there. You can leave it there. However, what people need to understand is that 10% of the agents do 90% of the business. So those people you have interactions with, when they have that type of tone with you, you'll see them again and you remember that. You remember how people treat you and we should be working together because it's such a tight knit community. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, it's, it's one of the reasons I joined Keller Williams, the culture that we have here, the fact that it's agents helping agents. And I really felt that from day one. And that's one reason I'll, I'll never leave is because I know I'm surrounded by agents that look out for me. Yes. I think when it comes to the consumer, like you mentioned earlier, I think too many people have commission breath. And what I mean by that is, they're willing to do or say anything to get the business. And so a lot of people view us as used car salesmen, right? That's why we have so many properties that expire because agents just want business and they'll tell someone whose home is worth 500 that they can get 600 because they just want to have a listing versus having a hard conversation with someone and saying, if you really have to sell your home and you have to be out by June, this is the number. I know it's not what you want to hear, but it's what the market's telling us. We're not willing to have that conversation with people and be upfront and direct and real with them. And it gives us a really bad name. I agree. And, and also I think that we are operating from a scarcity mindset that if I don't take this listing, that's mm -hmm. it. There's mm -hmm. not gonna be another one in the next three months, I must take this listing. We that's are right. not managing their expectations. And I've been there. I've taken overpriced listings to get right. in the door and think that I'm going to be able to make this seller lower their price later. And it's cost me. It cost me time, the most yep. valuable asset. Yep. And it cost me money and marketing. And it's set. And then guess what? They relist with someone at the price it should be sold. Sold. And you've lost all that time and all that money, right? Yes. You know as agents, I believe we should have standards in our, in our business. And over time, having the same experience you had, getting overpriced listings, having them expire and sell with someone else, I finally said, I will not take a listing that's overpriced. And I, I would tell sellers, I'm not here to help you make a bad decision. I'm here to help you make the best decision possible. I'm going to give you the information. You're hiring me as a professional. I view properties every day. I see what they list for and what they sell for. So as a professional, I trust that you will list your home at a price that will cause it to sell. And if they're not willing to do that, I will not take that listing because that's what gives us a bad name. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We have I to have standards. You have to. 
you have to have standards. Speaking of, the, of standards, are there any standards that you have for yourself when it comes to real estate that you feel comfortable sharing with, with, the, with the group? Yeah, outside of managing the seller's expectations yes. and buyer's expectations, mm -hmm. you have to be willing to walk away, right? You have to be so willing, as much as it may hurt, be mm -hmm. one, honest, and two, willing to walk away from the deal if it doesn't make sense. Another standard that I have for myself is I dressed for the occasion. Dress how I want to be addressed, right? Mm -hmm. I could be going to a $2,000 rental apartment appointment mm -hmm. to represent the owner of that home. I'm going to dress appropriately. And I've seen some people wearing like flip-flops in the summertime. That's cool if you're in your car and then switch to your, you know, your shoes. Of course. That's a standard I have. And another standard is to over-communicate with over my client. Okay. Last, yeah. you know, we get the listing and a lot of sellers tell us, that's the last time I heard from them. Or they didn't show it. They put a lockbox on it and that was it. Until they wanted a price reduction, right? Then they're exactly. calling for the price they're reduction. Calling back. <laughs> right. So those are a few of my standards that I have. I love those standards. And I was taught back in Dallas, I want to say it was. Maybe it was, no, it was Dallas. That every time you talk to your seller or your buyer, before you hang up the phone, you should say, here's what happens next. Mm. So they always know what's going on. We just got an offer in. Here's what happened next. We're in the turn to review. Here's what happens next. We just had the inspection. Here's what happens next. We have to over communicate because to your point, as an expired listing agent, every expired listing would tell me just what you said. Never heard from my agent. They got the listing and they ran. That's it. Shame on us. That's why we have a bad name. Right. We take the, it's a numbers game too far. All right. Got it. Next. <laughs> Right, where if you if you looked at that one person and said, I'm going to give them the best and build my business one person at a time, that one listing is worth millions of dollars in referral and repeat business if you handle them correctly. Mm. So you can't be short-sighted, right? You got to look at the people and say, I'm going to do my best job for them. When I do, anytime they need real estate, they're calling me. And anytime they actually have a referral, they're calling me, right? Beautiful. Okay. So let's go back to when you were 19, new agent. You just got your license. You're finishing up your senior year in high school. Knowing what you know now about real estate. I was estate. going on 20 and then okay. yeah. Okay, let's <laughs> go on 20. Okay. Um, knowing what you know now about real estate, what, what advice would you give your younger self about getting into the industry? Okay. I would say, Miss Laquana, dear, do not take anything too personal okay. okay okay and we're we live in a society where you post something you get likes you do something well people are just oh my god that was so amazing and then you get a no on the phone i'm not listening with you no i don't want you to represent me yep. i decided to go somewhere else and you're devastated Yep. And there were times my younger self, I took it personal. I didn't want to get out of bed. I couldn't believe it. I mean, yeah. how could they not want to list with me? I've built relationships with people, David, five years. Oh. And they list with someone else. And I'm talking to them every single month. That's tough. And that's tough. Yeah. But you know what? There's something that I did or didn't do that possibly 
show them that I wasn't fit for the job, right? So I would tell my younger self, work on your skills. Okay. Work on getting a very strong CRM referral mm. network. Mm-hmm. You know, organize yourself. Because if I gotcha. think about all the leads from when I was 19, 20 to now, we wouldn't even be on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Right? <laughs> where, would you, where would you be? <laughs> we would be out in, on the West Coast doing this in, in person, right? Amen. Uh, I'll send you to PJ. No, but seriously, I would say get organized. Don't take things personal. Have yes. some grace. Have some grace on yourself. Yeah. This is, this is going to take some time. So I love that you said that. I think about Gary Vaynerchuk and I think about Biggie. Biggie's like, don't get high off your own supply. He means something else by that in the song. However, what I take it to mean is, when you're getting all the praise, oh, you're so great. Mm-hmm. Don't take that. Don't take that. Just like, okay, thank you. Because when people say you aren't anything and you suck, you got to have the same attitude. Like, it doesn't bother me when you say I'm the greatest. And when you say I'm not the greatest, it doesn't bother me. I know who I am. I'm self-aware. I know what my goals are. I know what I'm out there doing. Mm-hmm. And no matter if you are blasting me up, saying I'm the best or saying I'm the worst, I'm just, I got my blinders on and I'm focused. Focused. That's okay. it. Either way. Yep. So you mentioned something about um, not getting listings and possibly not saying something or doing something correctly where they didn't have the confidence in you. Do you make it a practice to go to people and say, hey, I appreciate you listed with someone else. Can you tell me what I could have done better or what I didn't do and why you chose the other person? Absolutely. And I'll give you an example. Please. I went for a listing in Long Island City. It was a Mm -hmm. three-bedroom condominium. I believe my presentation was on point. They seemed to love me. Everything was great. They said, okay, we have one more person and then we'll get back to you. I push, push, push. You don't even need the last person. I'm the one, right? Right. But some people just need that time and they want to interview and they should interview other agents. So they decided to list with the other agent that was after me. I wrote them and I said, what was it? that you know, maybe I didn't say something that the other agent said, or if you could kind of give me feedback, it would only help me and my business going forward. Yes. And they said, the other agent told me that they would do a virtual tour of my home. This was before COVID. Okay, okay, just they a standard do, Yeah, this tour. is so before. They would do a virtual tour of the inside and outside of the area and have the drone and all of that. And you didn't mention that. So we, you know, we went with the other person. David, I can do that. Wow. So you need to make sure you're listing all the services that you offer. That's right. Even if you think it's minutia and it doesn't matter, for some people it does. And they probably weren't even thinking about it until the other person said it brought it up and you didn't cover it. It's it's so true because I remember I didn't get a listing and when I followed up, they were like, well, this agent said they were going to put our house on this website and it feeds out to all these different, and they were just talking about the MLS. And I'm like, but they made it sound like it was something so special. They were like, well, David doesn't do that. It's what every agent does. We put it on the MLS. However, it was sold to them as yeah. it, it was something big and glorious. You got to package the deal. Yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. You know, 
and that's why I do a pre-listing packet. Before I go meet with someone, I send out what I do to market and I make sure they read it so that all that's covered up front. And so it, it really, that's the standard of my business. Everyone gets a pre-listing packet. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that's extremely important. So um, I, I appreciate everything you've been sharing so far. And so my next question I have for you, you're selling 100 homes. Your goal is to do that this year. You've never sold more than 50. And so you said you're shooting for the moon. So if you did 75, I mean, that's 25 more than you've ever done before. So you have big goals and you're shooting for that. What are you trying to build here, though? What, what's your five-year game plan? Where would you like to see yourself? So outside of just real estate, in five mm -hmm. years, I'm thinking about there's a concept called FIRE, financially independent, retire early. Love it. Right? So I would love to FIRE. And okay. to retire, retire, no, I'll still be working and doing my thing. But that's my goal. And okay. how you assess it is you take your, how much you can live off in a month. Okay. Times that by 12. Okay. And then times that by 25. Okay. So that number for me is around 2.5 million. Okay. Million. Okay. So that's my personal, personal goal. For real estate and helping 100 people and five-year goal and what's the plan? There are so many people who need our help, who need our professionalism mm -hmm. in this industry. I want to provide that. I want to help other agents through the Real Estate Charm School and through coaching them and through mentoring them of how we can change the game and how we can really get a better name for ourselves out there for people who don't know how good we are. That's part of the goal with okay. real estate. You know, increase the profession, show people we're really here to help first and foremost, okay, and to make this industry better. I also want to help, this is like the fifth year of this happening. Mm -hmm. Growing up, I grew up in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, when no one wanted to live in Bed-Stuy. Not now, right? Okay. I want to find a way to build out affordable housing for individuals. Okay. Because there are a few things that happened while I was young, growing up in this area in Brooklyn, that if they didn't happen, I don't know what course of action my life would have taken, right? Okay. So by building affordable housing and building it in areas where children can think, children can be exposed to different things than mm -hmm. what they're exposed to now. Yeah. All we know when we first come up is our parents and our family. So like that philanthropy part inside of me is coming in five years. Love and that. then to have children and to get married and okay. to travel more and love life and to That's sink right. it all together. That's right. No regrets, right? No I don't regrets. want to see you at 90 years old saying, I wish I would have done X, Y, or Z. No regrets. We put in the work now, live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's what Dave Ramsey says. And I, I so believe that. I think that's so important. So off of real estate a little bit, you mentioned getting married, having kids, and traveling. How do you feel your work um, balance is, work and life balance is? It's really bad. <laughs> it's oh, so well, bad. Thank you for being honest. It's I appreciate so that. Bad. It's 80-20. Mm. It's 80-20 right now. And if I don't get it together, my partner might leave me for the 20%, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> um, I put so much into my goals, into my work, into just wanting to succeed and achieve what I, I said I wanted. But this pandemic that happened 
has put so much into perspective. Okay. Okay. 8.30, I'm shutting down officially, but there were nights I'll go to 10. But now, like, I'll get a day off, a whole complete day. Now that we're not doing open houses, Sunday's my day. Awesome. So my work-life balance right now is, like, 80% work, 20% life, life outside of work. But I would love to move it to about 60-40 in the next six months to a year. Okay. Um, just to be honest. 60, 40, 60 work and 40 life? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You can't, you know, work yourself to death and not experience life. That's exactly I don't want people to say at my funeral, she worked hard. She knew how to work. She knew how to do it. No, 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 no. She helped me. She loved on me, you know? That's These right. other things, this is the impact that I want. I just text my significant other yesterday and I said to him, I said, I know I haven't been as present and I, I will be more present in the next few days. I'll make it up to you. You know, trying to add that spice in or yeah. throw something in the Instant Pot and make a quick dinner. Just try yeah. to add it in as much as I can. Of course. It's good. Course. He's understanding though. So I got, I got lucky. <laughs> you got very lucky. And, and I heard you talk about time blocking in your schedule for work. Do you ever look at what you want to accomplish in your relationship and build that into your schedule and like time block date nights, time block activities like dinners and going out and having fun. Is that part of your schedule? We used to do every other weekend. It'll mm -hmm. be my day. It'll be his day when we could go out. Right. So we do that. That's in. Then mm -hmm. I have a book about our bucket list. Oh, so it's about 20 things that we want to achieve and by when, right? One of them was to travel this year to like Bali and Singapore and might have to wait till next year, but we yep. have a bucket list. Okay. Every night is date night, you know, after 830. <laughs> <laughs> 8.30, I hear you. But um, we, I do, I do, I do. Good, good. I think that's important. Yes. You know, I've been um, I've been married to Michelle for this upcoming June. It'll be 19 years, wow. and um, it's been great marriage, great great time, great partnership. I make a point to do activities, you know, with her and with the kids, and I'm time blocking things that we do. And one thing I always do, like two three times a year, is like, hey, how how am I as a husband, as a partner, and what can I do better? Like, if I'm not doing something well, what can I do better? And I'm asking that because I'm open to the feedback and I'm willing to make changes. Like no one can change me. I have to be willing to make the change, but I'm willing to make the change. And I've had her give me feedback like, you watch too much TV. I just want to spend some time talking with you. So like turn off the TV and let's hang out. And I have to be open to that and say, okay, that's what she wants. And actually, once we start doing it, I enjoy it and we have a good time. And so just plugging back into life and just making sure that work isn't overloading me and that I'm making life a priority and asking questions and making sure she's getting what she needs, making sure my daughters are getting what they need. That allows me to have the balance that I, that I need to have to be successful. And it, it works out really for, well. You're asking for feedback. Yes. Now, are you asking verbally or do you give them a slip and say, fill this out? Verbally, <laughs> verbally. And we talk about it. Does she give you feedback? Do you give her feedback. I do. I do. Like for instance, my wife and you know, she's an executive for a pharmaceutical company. She works a lot. When you talk about eight to, 
you know, early morning to 8.30. We gotta talk. still on the computer at 10 o'clock and like seven days a week working. And I just have to tell her like, there are times you just need to like, shut it down. Like, I know you have to work hard, wake up early, like, let's shut it down. Dinner time is sacred, like no phones. Let's focus on dinner. And she listens to me. That's good. And I, I will tell we've been married 19 years. We've had like maybe one argument that I can even think of. Wow. Because we talk all the time. So we don't let things fester yeah. and blow up. We, we talk about it. Communication is key. It is. It is key. You should it's write key. a book though. 19 years. I need that. And listen, for my family, that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big deal for my family. Right. And so I'm, I'm in it to win it. And I, I'm growing up raising girls that are growing up watching us interact as real estate agents and coaches and pharmaceutical executives and being married and just how we live life. And my daughters are watching that. And I, I just want to be a great example to them. I love it. That's all I've ever wanted. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so happy to hear you talk about the balance that you want to have. I'm so happy to hear you talk about all your goals and really helping 100 people. 100. So down. That's it. So (laughs) what I have to say here, and I want everybody in Jersey who watches this podcast, when you need help in New York, this is your person. You, You know what her goals are. She wants to help 100 people sell a house. So if you need help in New York, then you reach out to Laquana and have her help you. Help her hit that goal, and she's going to make sure that your clients are taken care of. Yes, so absolutely. I'm putting that out there for you. Thank you. I want to see that happen for you. It will happen. <laughs> so I want to kind of start wrapping this up, and there's one thing I do with everybody I interview. I want you to give me a question that I can post to someone I interview in the future, and it can be around real estate. It can be around life. It can be whatever you want it to be. Can you give me a question that I could pose to someone? Yes. Most of your um, interviewees are real estate agents, right? Correct. So I would say if you were not a real estate agent, it did not exist, what would you, what occupation would you be interested in? That's awesome. Let's see how well you know me. If I wasn't doing real estate, what do you think I'd be doing? You would be a grill master slash Scott maker (laughs) (laughs) slash love doctor helping people in their marriages. You left out one thing. What? Yep. You know it. You just not, you aren't thinking about it right now. If you weren't doing everything you're already doing, if I wasn't doing real estate. Real estate. Oh, photography. You're there it is. You're ready. There it is. Photography too. What about, what about me? What do you think I would be doing? Oh, that's a great question. So every time I see you, Instagram, in person, like you are just dressed to the nails, right? So I, I don't know if I see you in fashion. I see you in design. Like in my mind, that's where I kind of, I see you because how you show up. But then a lot of things that you shared with me on this interview, I have to say you'd be in some type of industry where you're helping people. Yeah. It seems like you're motivated by seeing other people have success. And so I don't know what that means. Is that a counselor? Is that a, a, psychi- a psychiatrist? I don't know what that is, but some form of occupation where you are helping other people and it's for the greater good, be my guess. All right, get ready for your next podcast. That question's going on there. 
All right, it's a great question. And what I'm really ready for is to have you back in early 21 so we can talk about how you wrapped up 2020 if you hit the goal. And if you hit the goal, we need to celebrate that. Yes, we do. <laughs> celebrate that I'm in a big way. I'm here for it. Because that's huge. That's yeah. huge. And I love that you push yourself. We, we have to push ourselves and have big goals. And I think you do. And I, I'm here to support you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you, you as well. And this, you know this. If you need anything, you just reach out to me. Yes, I know. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time. Thank you. I Thank you. It. It's been a pleasure. Talk to you soon.